Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hello and welcome to the Stompcast with me, Dr. Alex George. This is the podcast where I go for a walk with a guest to take a little wander into their life. This week, I'm stomping with one quarter of the hit BBC One show, Sort Your Life Out, founder of Declutter Dollies, author and professional organiser, Dilly Carter. As we stomp into 2024, we've specifically and specially created a lineup of guests to help you feel motivated and inspired to hit the ground running this year, or stomping. So this week's episode is brimming with top tips on how to organise your home and stay organised, why a tidy house could create a tidy mind, and we'll be hearing about Dilly's extraordinary personal journey from an orphanage in Sri Lanka through to her organisation revolution that you see today. We're also going to hear about her journey with cancer last year. She is a truly incredible person who I met about four years ago. She was a guest on The Waiting Room, my first podcast, and I remember at the time saying, this person's special and this person should be on television but her specialness goes far beyond her skills on the television. It's her bravery, her courage, her kindness, her honesty, and I'm so glad that she is feeling better. I, I share uh, a book agent with, uh, and dear friend with uh, Dilly, uh, Carly, and uh, I'm so glad to be hearing about her you know, health and, and getting through the difficult times that she's had. So this episode is gonna be a must for reframing your mindset and organization, and remembering the importance of tidiness to your mental health. Welcome to the Stompcast. Dilly, you're on a podcast with me again. It's a very different podcast, and I'm sorry yes. this one you're going to get a bit wetter than the one we sat in the dry <laughs> Soho radio uh, recording in the waiting room. Very different environment, uh, I must say, but it's a pleasure to have you sharing the mics with me. Thank you so much. You know what, I've wanted to do this for so long, and we've been meaning to walk and talk for a long time and just not made it. Our diaries have been in battle with each other for yes. a little while, but I have got you here now. Um, I mean, like I said, I met you in the car park and we had uh, our, our shared wonderful friend, uh, Carly Cook, on literary agent as well, uh, with us, who, who, who is that kind of your twin, really. I, mean, yeah. I, I always have to check in from a distance to make sure I am looking at the right person approaching. Do you know what? It's because I, I keep saying she bite, bites my style. She keeps, you know, buying <laughs> stuff that's the same. And we look like each other from a distance. Because... And, you, and you're wearing a lovely Ganny hat today. And, you know, yeah. Abby, apart from Stompwear, um, her favourite uh, outfits is, in fact, Ganny. Oh, so you it? are like very, very cool today. Oh, Emily. good. Thank you. Uh, you know, I try to make an effort wherever I can. Uh, I, think, I, I think you do. I was going to wear leopard, which is my bit of my yep, signature look. you usually look, do. You but usually I, I've not got one bit of leopard on today. And how are you doing? Because, I mean, it's, gosh, it's been quite a year, hasn't it? We, were, we shared a stage. For, um, we were talking at a, an event, and at that point, you were only a few, well, a week or something, a week or so post-operation. And it's, yes. been, a, it's been a really tough, it's been a really tough year for you. As I know we've been talking yeah. on, uh, online and things. I've been keeping up with things, uh, you know, through Carly as 
you know, as to how you are and checking in and stuff. But it's yeah. been a bloody tough year, hasn't it? Um, yeah, I'd say it's definitely been challenging. Uh, it just seems to have gone from one thing to another and none of it was expected. And I think with any health issues, that's always the hardest thing mm. is the unknown mm. and suddenly being dealt this card that you're like, oh, okay, I, I didn't see that coming. Mm. And for someone that's been well my whole life, you know, I've never really thought mm. about health issues mm. and I've never been on the receiving end of any type of illness. So this last year has taught me, oh my gosh, just an unbelievable amount. An unbelievable amount. And, I, and I remember we, so I, I mean, I think I joked about it on stage playfully as I was like, you, you really shouldn't be here doing <laughs> this today. And you're obviously, you are still, of course, in fine form and full flow. Yes, and giving goodness. the top tips and, and, and so on. But at that point, you didn't know that you had a diagnosis, right? No. You've talked, you've talked publicly about uh, the diagnosis uh, of cancer and things. But at that point, you weren't aware. No, absolutely. So when I saw you at that event that we were at, I was one week post-operation, mm. which was actually an operation called a myomectomy. And a myomectomy is a common operation, but a major operation to remove fibroids. Mm. And lots of women particularly Asian women, um, you know, black communities have fibroids, but also, um, you know, lots of women in general have fibroids and they can become so big that mm. they have to be removed by this surgery called a myomectomy. Um, so I had just had these fibroids removed, which I'd been struggling with for years and years. They'd been growing, they'd been shrinking, they'd been growing and they were causing me so much pain in the end. And also I wanted to have a baby. Mm. So the reason for me having these fibroids removed were because I wanted to have a baby. And, um, that was the first step in having a second child was to have the fibroids removed mm. and actually i'd gone to the nhs um had complained about these um fibroids mm. and they'd said to me you know you don't really need to worry about them because they're on the outside of your uterus mm. so they're not affecting you having a baby and i was just like yeah but you know i've had these fibroids for eight years now and you know i'm not getting pregnant and i just you know i don't know mm. what to do and now they're causing me pain and so you know, someone that we both know, mm. Dr. Anita, yes. Gyne Geek. Yeah, indeed. Um, I had a call with her because fortunately, I, I, you know, we, uh, we've got a contact through that, through our friend. Um, so I spoke to Anita and she said, look, if you're trying to get pregnant, my advice would be, if you can afford it, go and have your five words yeah, removed sure. privately because the NHS waiting list is two years. So I thought, do you know what? While I can afford it mm. and we want a baby, mm. I'm getting older. Mm. You know, I'm 43 this year. Last year I was, uh, you know, 42, and as, as, as we know with women, the older you get, the less likely you are to get pregnant as you get older. So I thought, you know what, let's just do it. Mm -hmm. Let's go and pay privately, have the fibroids removed. So when I saw you, I had just had this major surgery mm -hmm. one week ago, and me being me, I was like, of course I'll be fine, I'll go and walk. I can walk so I can talk, right? I'll be <laughs> fine. So I did that event, and then a week later, I was due in for my post op checkup now to me back then post-op checkup was just let's just sit you on the bed and look at your scar mm. let's see how you are unbeknown to me did i have any idea because i've never been ill mm. remember that everything that comes out of your body is tested yeah of course it is whether it's a tiny mole yeah. whether it's a growth Send whether to it's a lab yeah have a look course, at it check i it. didn't even think that it wasn't in, even in my head all yeah. my all i all i had in my head was that we're going to have this surgery and then the next stage is my womb recovers for six months mm -hmm. and then we start IVF yeah. or we start some sort of fertility yeah, treatment to get pregnant. Yeah. Um, so they called me in 
and uh, the doctor had rang me and he said oh hi mrs carter it's you know whoever yeah and i said oh hi he's like Are you coming in for your checkup i really need you to come in and i was like yeah i'm coming he's like is your husband coming and i thought didn't even click didn't okay. think anything yeah, sure. i was like yeah he's coming i thought he's doing that because he doesn't want me to drive because he knows what i'm like he thinks i'll get in the car and drive to him so that's all i thought so we got to the hospital and uh waited in the waiting room and he came out and he said oh mr and mrs carter come in and i thought god why are you being so miserable you know it's friday it's the end of the week maybe mm. that's why he's and miserable. you'd have gone in with your character as yeah. well like, hey that's everyone like, how's it going what's up yeah. how's your mum yeah, how's, <laughs> how's your auntie literally yeah, walked in and was like oh my god i feel amazing look at me yeah. i can walk i can talk yeah. i'm being fine my scar doesn't even hurt that much yeah. oh. <laughs> i literally sat down at the chair and he's like it's really lovely to see you both you know, straight face. So did you, did, were you then like, oh gosh. I was just like, okay, thinking yeah. this is weird. We're in yeah. a small dark room and he's being very yeah. weird. And uh, he just said, you know, as you know, when I operated to mm. remove the fibroids, there wasn't just one, mm. there was 12. Mm. He said, and you know, those 12 we couldn't see before, but mm. they were hiding behind one really large one. Mm. And he said, and I told you that your wound was severely damaged. I said, okay. And he said, and unfortunately, he said, everything that we take out of your body, all the fibroids, we send off for testing. And he said, I'm really sorry to tell you, but the fibroids have all come back cancerous and you've got stage one cancer of your womb. Mm. And I was just like... What did you think? What was your reaction at the time? Do you, I do, do you know what? I was absolutely just dumbfounded. We were just, my husband and I just were like, <gasps> like, just looked at each other because you're just like, what? Sorry, say that again. And he said, um, and what that means for us now is that you know, we, we now have to remove your wound. So we now have to give you a full hysterectomy, a radical hyster mm. hysterectomy. So remove all the reproductive organs. Remove your whole mm -hmm. reproductive system. Mm -hmm. So that's your ovaries, your womb, your cervix, yeah. all of it. Yeah. Now, of course, that means you can't have another baby. Mm. So I was just like... That's so much tied in that once, oh. isn't it? Because of course you were looking at that from a perspective of like, obviously the symptoms of fibroids, but you also were thinking about... Having a baby, babies, yeah. yeah. Absolutely, you know, our goal, my goal to have those fibroids removed was to have a baby. Mm. So I hadn't even thought about what if they find anything, that wasn't even in my head. So, you know, yes, I bounced into this room with no idea at all of what could be. I just thought, oh, you know, he's just gonna tell me that my scar's okay and I can go back to work now. Mm. Well, it's too late, I'm already back to work, so it doesn't matter. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, he said, you know, the next stage is, we book you in for a full hysterectomy. And then, you know, we, we decide about the treatment. The, the likelihood is you'll have some sort of radiation. Mm. Um, you shouldn't have to have chemo, but you will have to have radiation. And I was like, okay. This happened it, very quickly as well, isn't it? And this is all within, you know, two weeks yeah. of me having my fibroids out. Um, he said, because but you know. it's such a big thing anyway. Having your fibroids out is oh, it's it's a really big operation. We joke about it, right? Yeah. You know, I know you know well enough to, to kind of yeah. say, but you know, it's a, it is a really big, significant operation. It's like having it. It's like so getting used to that itself. Yes. Yeah. In getting over that emotionally, mentally, and physically, is quite a big thing. Anyway. Yes, absolutely. I know you are kind of like at it, but that's your approach to it. But a lot of people, well, most people, I think, do take a good amount of time, many months sometimes, to kind of really feel back to themselves. Yeah. But then you've immediately got like right, next challenge now. Of course, yeah. So especially in this situation, I am now being faced with this next challenge. So I was just, you know, obviously processing it, thinking, okay. So he said, we now book you in eight weeks in time mm. to have this procedure, the hysterectomy, and, and then we'll go from there. So I was like, okay, so I've just two weeks ago had one surgery, and now in eight weeks, I'm having 
the another surgery which is going to cut back through the same scar in my stomach and then this one's going to be a bit more debilitating mm. this one's going to mean i'm going to probably be in a lot more pain than i was the first time because they're they're removing my entire reproductive mm. system so i was just like what, what can you do Were you what frightened? can you do Were you scared do you know what i was just a bit like i think a he told me it's stage one cancer so i wasn't going to die so obviously I think you think I'm not going to die so I'm going to be fine they can remove it so whatever you can do to remove it that's your goal isn't it I think whenever you're faced with a severe serious illness a life-threatening illness your immediate reaction is how can I stop this how can survival, I stop how, I guess, how can right. I survive so for, in order for me not to die I had to remove my reproductive system otherwise the cancer will spread and then you know yeah. i can't risk that can i no. so i just have to do what i have to do in the moment so i i said okay book me in and he and luckily for me um i'd, I'd up to that point obviously i was a private patient but because the doctor was an nhs doctor as well and because i had cancer they were like the best pathway now is to go into the NHS and to be looked after for yes, the NHS. Yeah. So I then went back into the NHS system and had all my cancer treatment via the NHS, which has been mm. incredible. Because that's why the two, you know, the two, you know, the two week wait of the cancer yes. serves is incredible, isn't it? Really? Yes. I mean, I know there's huge pressures and some, and, and I, I understand there are breaches because of the pandemic and stuff, but yeah. the two week wait system is phenomenal, really. Yeah. You know, people, and for anyone listening, what that means is that from the first presentation of, say, a symptom, mm. it might be like a, a mole on your skin. Mm. They need to initiate treatment within two weeks of realization that Absolutely. it's cancer, which is, which is world leading. Oh my goodness, so, absolutely. You know, of all the issues with weights elsewhere, the and, and quite rightly, when it comes to cancer, it is very much like, bam, let's get yeah. on with it, you know what I mean? Absolutely. And um, yeah, I, I was then in the NHS pass, uh, cancer pathway and eight weeks later they booked me this operation. So I then obviously had this time to, you know, really let it sink in as to what was about to happen. And I think for me it was more just... I think that was probably the only time I really had to think, oh my goodness, I can't have children. Mm. You know, I think that for me was probably the only time I really dwelled on it a little bit. But when I say dwell on it, I'm, I'm not one of these people that lets anything like sit with me for long. Mm. I'm very good at letting go of bad energy, bad negativity. Where does that come from? Because I mean, you've had, you know, I've spoke, you know, spoken to you obviously quite a bit before and in the podcast previously we talked about you know your life you've had a lot of challenges you know from a young age have you know family life you also with your mum yes having yeah. a bipolar disorder mental health things in the family but also like you know you you're, you seem to be someone anyway from what you know the time i've known you to kind of deal with stuff by right challenge problem solution let's try and you know move through this do you where do you think that comes from but also is it always helpful i know we joke yeah. this. Like, is there part of you that do you need to stop sometimes? Have you stopped some of this to think <laughs> I mean, and process some of that emotional side and the shock and stuff, things like that? Yeah, I, do you know what? I don't, I don't know if I have too much. I probably haven't. I think they always say you don't really know what you've gone through until you're through it. And then you look back and you're like, oh my God, yeah, this sure. has been huge. And mm. I think for me at the moment, because I'm still surviving it and I'm still sort of fighting it because it hasn't ended, unfortunately, for me. Um, you know, the story goes on. It's, it's a bit of like, well, I just have to survive and I just have to do what I need to do to get through this. And if I wallow in everything too much, then I, I'm not gonna get through this. I'm just gonna be bringing myself down when actually I'm far luckier than so many people. And I think my, my positive mindset has always been, 
there's always someone worse off than you. You know, this isn't happening to my child. This isn't happening to my husband. You know, I can deal with this. I'm strong enough to deal with this. So actually, this was meant to be because if it had been Nelly, if it had been Charlie, mm. I think Nelly's I, your, I would have been your like child, Charlie's distraught. Your husband, isn't it? So, but yeah. I think because it's me and I'm tough, I can deal with it. So, you know, thank God I am because I haven't really let it, you know, obviously it's changed everything, but also it's changed nothing, you know. You have seemed to, like, I mean, obviously we see a presented version of people, but you seem to be that Dilly that yeah. I met years ago. Yeah. I and you haven't aged uh, annoyingly, <laughs> really irritatingly at all. In fact, I'm sure you've got younger. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, you, you and Carly uh, are similar to that. It's like ages. Like, what's that film with a um, Benjamin Button? That's the one. Yeah, there yeah. You go. So you, you're mean, the real life one. I feel like that. I feel like I'm. I'm, I'm lucky. My Asian genes have kept me going, um, <laughs> looking looking young. But no, I, I just feel that I'm. I'm very fortunate. I, I was lucky to even come to this country from Sri Lanka. I. I've had so many great fortunes in my life. Uh, so many amazing things that have happened to me. I, I'm lucky to have got to this age yeah. and, and this be it. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. How did it come to pass with we came from Sri Lanka. What were the circumstances around? I think we briefly talked about it before, but I'm not sure that we... So my parents were... So my dad was a chartered accountant. Mm. My mum was uh, practising to be a, a teacher. And they met at university, fell in love very quickly, got married, mm. realised that they couldn't have children. And they went to go and live in Sri Lanka for eight years. And whilst in Sri Lanka, they realised that this really isn't happening. So, you know, maybe we can look into adoption. And so they spoke with friends and in the 80s, adoption was so different to now. And they literally spoke to friends who knew of an orphanage, who put them in touch and, you know, went through the Sri Lankan courts and they found me in this orphanage and they brought me over here in 1983. So I've been here since then. And, uh, it's an incredible story, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, it's amazing, isn't it, to think, God, I wouldn't, I mean, look at where we are, look at the life I've got. I mean, I, I still feel so grateful and so fortunate for the life I have, illness or no illness. I think, oh my God, some people just don't have a snippet of, of the life I've had. So yes, there's, there's been this hurdle, but look at all the other things, mm. you know, look how lucky I am to even live in this country. Mm. You know, when you think of all the horrible things that are going on in the world, I'm in a really safe place. Think how lucky we all are to live in this country. Absolutely, yeah. We how, are, how old are you when you came over? Three years old. Gosh. And so you were so young at that age. Three, yeah. But it must be... I mean, it's, it's interesting. I wonder whether 
that has like resonated throughout your life and also how you say deal with challenges, how you view view the world because I think adversity does give perspective right? oh my goodness. one of the things that you mentioned you know looking back like when you climb the mountain the greatest perspective of climbing a mountain is the one that you get when you look back yes right you look where you've come yeah so do you think that formative experience has resonated through do you know what I think being on my own maybe when I was in an orphanage for three years mm. on my own that's probably made me very tough, very strong. And I, I, I'm, I've always said this, but I'm reliant on no one for anything. And um, as much as I have got the most incredible family and husband and support and friends around me, I'm also a real like survivor on my own. I'm someone that I think I could absolutely, if I had to start all over again, I'd be fine. If I had nothing, I'd be fine. If, if, you know, there was no one else around me, I would survive. And I think maybe that's because of that. Maybe it's because inherently, and from a, such a young age, I was on my own. You know, I was on, the, on my own for the, last, for the first three years of my life, you know, in an orphanage with, you know, with, with nuns that looked after me, but not much else. It's really deeply empowering in a sense to know that you can, you could just like do it your own, do it yourself or, I, or kind of, be able to kind of restart absolutely just you and not to say that there's not in any way i don't get the sense that you say that in any kind of um, dismissive way of the no, around you but it's, it's like an inner not. sense of strength i guess and it? i think sometimes especially when you're really ill you have to get yourself around it you have to get yourself through it yourself it's only you that can so you're the only person that shall live through it right? yeah it's an odd thing it's a it's a very deep way of thinking about it. but you know you come into this world on your own you do leave it on your own and the journey is to share with the other people but you're all walking your paths and eventually you must face the end of yeah, your path. You, you know, it's only you, you, isn't it? It's only you that faces that. So Absolutely. I guess perhaps that maybe in these situations can help. But let, let's kind of just come back to the present moment then. So when when was the operation? Where, where are we at with so, things? And obviously only share what you want to share. No, of course, no. Where so are we at I, uh, I mean, I'm an open book, you know that. So it's... We'll um, come on to your books very soon, don't we? Yeah. <laughs> uh, part two and three. I had the operation on December the 8th to have my my reproductive system removed and in between the first operation and the second operation when they found out I had can cancer I obviously then had another CT and other MRI to see if the cancer had spread anywhere else and they were hoping it hadn't but unfortunately it had and it had spread from my womb to the lymph nodes that were wrapped around my pelvis so what that meant is when they gave when they went in to give me a full hysterectomy they then had to scrape the lymph nodes from around my pelvis but what had happened is when they went in to operate on the 8th of December, the lymph nodes had managed to grow so big, they were the size of two men's fists. Now, anyone that knows about cancer knows that your lymph nodes should only really be one centimetre mm. or, or not mm. too much bigger than Your that. immune system's guardians. Really, yes, isn't it, exactly. And mine had grown so big that they had managed to wrap themselves around the sciatic nerve to my Gosh. leg. So, she must have been a lot of pain. Oh my goodness. Wow. So basically, they, when they went in to give me the hysterectomy, oh. they then had to scrape the lymph nodes off my sciatic nerve to my oh. leg. So when I woke up from the surgery, not yeah. only had I had my entire oh. reproductive system moved, but I then had this immense pain oh. to my sciatic nerve. So I then couldn't walk for three months. Oh, oh my goodness. I cannot Sciatica tell you. Is a, is a, oh. you know, it's a number, like, unbelievably painful thing. And if a patient comes oh. to any, you kind of you know, literally cannot move when they've got severe sciatic, can't move an inch. It's, it's awful, isn't it? It's, it's the long nerve oh and comes my out gosh. your back, runs all the way down to your, yeah. to your foot and uh, uh, in no comparison to your situation at all. But I, I used to have quite bad sciatic, which actually has cured itself since I've lost all this weight. It's actually gone almost completely. Oh, that's good. Um, but I, I, when it would catch, your, my foot would start <gasps> moving as well. It's like, it's odd. You feel like your leg is not attached to your back, but also it's under so much pain that oh. you know it's attached. It is absolutely... But to have that, but to have that off the 
removed from the actual nerve. So That's not, like times a million, basically. It literally was the Gosh. most painful thing I've ever been through in my entire wow. life. Never mind the... I, so I woke up not even thinking about the hysterectomy. All mm. I could do was it was manage this pain that was in my foot. Gosh. I, I couldn't... For three months, I couldn't walk, couldn't have any duvet on my foot, couldn't touch it. I was on 16 painkillers a day yeah. for three months, eight of which were tramadol, yeah. uh, to get through the pain. I was... On, I cannot tell you how much Gosh. that was the worst experience of my life because I was then completely unable to do anything. Mm. Can I just interrupt? Sorry to be really annoying and say mm. literally watching her crawl up the stairs yeah. this day was one of the worst things I've ever seen. Because Carly, you've been... Uh, you, you've been um, we, spoke, we spoke Christmas. Yeah. yeah. Watching, watching you, that you couldn't even bear the air. My, my foot was... It, I cannot describe the pain. It was like no pain I've ever experienced in my whole life. Not childbirth, not anything. It was just because they'd scraped these lymph nodes off my major nerve. Obviously our sciatic nerve is our second biggest nerve. You can just imagine it's so intense the pain. I couldn't You couldn't it, even contemplate I couldn't getting even put it, it near the thought of it going near the foot. The crease you, the, like, the creases in the sheet hurt my foot. Like in my lovely bed. It's like, it was your big, it's your biggest most sensitive nerve, oh, isn't it? So I mean, it's... Any pain to that is just, any damage to that, anyone that has had that type of damage. So, do you know what, in any I always I'd have so much sympathy for anyone with back pain. Anyone comes in yes. has bad back pain yeah. you're like, what can I do to help you? Because it is the awful, people can't move. Every bit of your life. Yeah. Oh, it, it was miserable. It was absolutely, I think that was probably my lowest time. But it took my mind. I think that was probably my lowest time because a year ago. I, for me, I couldn't, mm. not like the mind to me I couldn't get up a week later and go and go and do anything I was in so much pain I couldn't think I couldn't think straight I couldn't do anything I was just taking tablets after tablets just to try and get through the day so I didn't move from my sofa like Carly said I crawled up I was crawling around crawling the house everywhere because you, you were there Carly yeah. you, 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 you have been a bit more than literary agent <laughs> I hope you've got the percentage it'll be 50% now really but you've done you've uh, but you stop it, stop you, it. she's, she's going to start like, kicking me she's, yeah. her legs are working very well now. now she's going to yeah. bam and she, and she will yeah but you you know, you have been. Uh, I mean, speaking against your brother, you have been an amazing source of support. Oh I know how much you, you know I'm, you personally. Now she's ca her. she's carried it a lot. You know, she you has. have. Haven't you? Uh, she's been unbelievable. Miss Cook has carried it a lot, I think. But one of the best things about this community is that I was able to call Anita and say you need to speak yes, to her. Yeah. And that kicked off the whole yeah thing. cancer thing. Shout yeah. out to Anita. Big definitely big shout out. To oh Anita. my god. But big shout yeah. out to. You know, Instagram families and just oh people my gosh. who use healthcare, you know, for the yeah. good and are happy to share information. Yeah, and, because you know, I think you've then gone on to do an amazing life that's helped lots of women. And yes. You know, it's that medical belt and braces that allows you to talk about your story with authority, Absolutely. but also with responsibility, which is really important. Well. And I, I, I chose not to tell anyone for six months while I was recovering from it myself because what I didn't want to do is come on and give false information because I think on social media it's so easy just to go, oh my God, I found out I've got, or, 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 you know. Or in a knee-jerk reaction an to share too much. It. It's, it's like, like, to share more than you wanted to, isn't it? Because sometimes it, exactly. later on you I'll do want to look back and think, I'm glad that I've told you what I have, but sometimes it's hard to know how much you want to share and mm. I think that's why you know we were going to do this a lot sooner I think but yeah. it was a really good thing because also you know exactly where you're at 
yes. in terms of what you want to say, what yeah. you don't want to say. Because, you know, people, sometimes, we've talked about this previously, is that when you're in the public space, sometimes you invite people into your lounge you and you, you have a cup of tea, but you can't kick them out. And secondly, then sometimes people end up in your, in your bedroom and your bathroom looking around the whole house when you didn't necessarily want them to. And perhaps Absolutely. sometimes we can show people around too much when really we only wanted to show them the lounge. Yeah, so. but also your big thing, and always quite rightly, was Nelly was front and centre. Yeah, yeah. Sure. and I hadn't you told Nelly. controlling what you were telling her. Yeah. How old is Nelly? So yeah. Nelly is now 10, but mm. obviously at the time she was nine. And when I found out so, yeah, I, I had cancer, I didn't tell her. And I didn't tell her until I started radiation, actually. Okay. I just told her that... Um, Mummy's tummy wasn't very well, and she's um, now got to have an operation, mm. which means we can't have any children. And Nelly's reaction that's was like, well, we can adopt, can't we, Mummy? Because she's always oh, known about adoption. She knows I'm adopted. So, you know, she's a really strong character as well. You know, mm. we both brought her up to be really, you know, she's, she's a perfect blend of both of us. And so she's quite a tough cookie. And she's very, you know, like me, she's quite pragmatic, quite sensible. She's older than her years. Um, but I just didn't want to scare her, you know, to put that on a nine-year-old and go, Mummy's got cancer. And, you know, I just didn't, and I knew I wasn't going to die. Well, in other words, you perhaps provide reassurance that you're not ready for yourself yeah, to give exactly, already yeah. in yourself. I mean, you yeah. knew what the plan was, but I think sometimes you need to steady your own ship before you try and climb onto someone else's I'm boat. So I, yeah, I didn't tell her until I actually started radiation. So I, I got better. Mm. Um, I obviously, my foot started to recover. I then went back to filming. Mm. And then I started radiation in August because I needed, I had to let my foot get better right. before they, they can then start the radiation because the pain would have been too much. Oh. Everything would have been too intense and the radiation would have intensified the damage to the sciatic nerve. So mm. I waited until, oh gosh, when did I start? Maybe, so I had 28 sessions of radiation mm. um, and it ended in August. Um, and that was pretty intense. I mean, go even, I think the thing with radiation is, for me, just the monotony mm. of going into a hospital every single day consecutively, five days a week, only having two days off at the weekend is, is a lot. Because even if you're having the greatest day, you're then back to that hospital and you're surrounded by other people that are mm. seriously ill. And, and you I, know you're going to do something that is going to cause you discomfort. Yes, and absolutely. Like, you know. and, and even though it's a very short period of time, you know, it's only three minutes long, you're in there you're out it's all very quick but it's the whole mental side of it going into a cancer hospital surrounded by other cancer patients seeing other people that are you know seriously ill for me that also helped me because i i kept thinking you know you, you can do this you can do this look at everyone else you aren't as ill as them so you know look how well they're doing how lucky you are that you know you haven't you know for me i felt like I only gave up, and I say only loosely, mm. I gave up my entire reproductive system to stop cancer spreading. Some people have to give up a limb. Some people have to give up losing their hair. Some people, everyone has to exchange something for cancer. Mm. And for Is some, that how you see it? That's how I felt. A price that's to pay how, there's, a, there's a price to pay for everybody in terms of what you gave up. For me, it was my reproductive system, never being able to have a baby again. Some people, it's losing their hair. Some people, it's losing a limb. Some people, it's losing something else. And for sadly, for many people, it's their life. So I think, thank God it wasn't that for me. I'd happily give up another body part if I could continue to live because I've got a husband and I've got a child and I've got friends and family that I want to be around for. So for me, it was an easy, mm. easy switch. Okay. Mm. Take that. Keep mm. me here. You Your know? sense of perspective is incredible. So, so, so where we are today is that you've, you've had the operations, you've undergone the radiotherapy. You've, you've also been doing your 
career while yeah. you can do all this, which is absolutely you know, yeah. And I've, I've continued to film really. the show yeah. throughout it. Um, I the was incredible show. Which yes, thank you. I was having incredible radiation show. throughout the show, mm. so I was literally filming getting in a cab, going to hospital, coming back. Next day, filming, going to the hospital, coming back. So I was doing all those things while trying to film a TV show, finished my second book, um, carried on my normal business that I have. So I, I tried to keep life as, as simple and as normal as possible and carry on. And I think that was really good for me mentally mm. to, to keep on mm. carrying on. Would you do anything differently if you went back from the time of that when we basically when we were sat on that stage yeah. through to now would you do it any differently having known the experience and stuff i don't think i would i don't think there was there was nothing i could have done differently because i think the, card... the way of dealing with it and you know those kind of things no. you feel like it worked, that worked, that was the best way for you to get through that time I, no absolutely i think if i'd have sat back and just thought right rest your body sit down don't do anything absorb everything then i think that would have damaged me more i think for me i'm someone that has to be out that has to be active that has to be positive and i can't i can't sit and dwell on those things mm. because i think it would have made me worse if i'd have wallowed in it if i'd have had any self-pity if i'd have thought why me woe is me mm. um it would have been damaging for me mm. and i think i always have to think okay this isn't great but let's take the best out of this positive pos let's make the most out of this situation mm. how can i make the situation better how can i educate others you know how can i now turn my experience into something that's going to help other women you know maybe i can talk about it and talk about you know why you should get your fibroids checked out why you should why gynae health is so important why you know don't you know don't put off having a baby if you can't you know maybe if i'd have done this years ago i would have had a baby by now and not waited and then till the cancer had grown inside me. So I could have had a baby maybe years ago if, if I'd have paid more attention to it when I was in my 30s rather than thinking work, work, work. I don't know. But what I don't do is think about that too much because we're going, go we're that, going forward, aren't we? And you wouldn't be back. dilly here today if it was that. So Exactly. And now since I've had the radiation, I've recently had my first MRI since mm. then and I was poorly about three weeks ago, and it now turns out that the radiation I had has damaged 70% of my bowels. So I was told 10 days ago that I would never eat again. I would only eat through a tube uh, because my bowel can now no longer take food. One in 100 people have something called radiation enteritis, and I seem to be one of those people. And unfortunately, what that means is now my bowel can't absorb the same amount of food as it used to be able to absorb and it can't tolerate the same foods that it, I used to be able to tolerate. So no more going to the curry house twice, three times a week. No more spicy food. Um, my diet's completely changed. I can't have chili flakes on my salmon and avocado anymore. Um, I basically am eating the most bland diet ever. I'm on shakes and like white pastas, white breads, all the things that you think that you wouldn't be able to absorb um, are the things that I need at the moment until mm. my hopefully this inflammation goes down and if the inflammation goes down then maybe in time I'll be able to introduce the foods that I used to enjoy a bit more but for now I have to be on quite a different diet but literally 10 days ago they'd, they'd come into my hospital bed and said to me because I'd gone in and I had sickness and diarrhea and they told me look you reacted really bad to the radiation and unfortunately that means that you won't eat and you, you will have to send you home with what they call a TPN line and that's basically intravenous food into your arm. And I would have had to plug into that every single night 
to top up my nutrients because my stomach now can't absorb anything as much. So you're bypassing your gut, aren't it's you? It's bypassing my gut, so mm. my gut rests. Um, so for 10 days, last, last week, 10 days ago, I was on Neil by Mouth for 10 days and being fed through this tube to give my bowel complete gut rest, mm. um, which made me better. Um, so now I, and, but luckily for me, they tried me on some foods and it stayed down. Mm. So they were happy to let me go home without having to have this tube because mm. I literally then thought, this is it. Mm. If I can't ever eat again. Was that, was that 10 <sighs> days ago, was that a moment where perhaps that, you know, that real mentality that you have, was oh that a shaking gosh. point of that? Was that, was there a dip there where you're kind <gasps> of, because like, it seems I mean, hard when you're faced with one thing oh, after the other, it seems hard yeah. to continuously see a very positive I, mindset out of it. Oh, know? I mean, I was, when they came in and told me that, I was obviously distraught because I just was like, what? What do you mm. mean I can't eat again? And for me, we're such a social family. Mm. We're such a, we, we have people in our house all the time. Mm. We're out all the time. And food is food such a is, central well, point it's of food is most a central cultures, right? For everybody, yeah. for everybody. And to be told that you, you might never eat again all your favorite foods, I was like, you know, I was crying to my husband saying, oh my, does this mean we're never gonna not go on a date night? We're not going to be able to go out on a date night and eat. And he, you know, I've got the most amazing husband. He's like, well, how work, does he take we'll it? Work it. How does he manage it? I don't know. I literally don't know. His, his shoulders are as broad as mine, I think. I mean, bless him. He's been amazing. Mm. And, you know, I literally couldn't have done it without him because he's such, you know, I, I married the right guy. You know, he's, he's just like, whatever. He's like, whatever we have to do, we'll do it together. Mm. We'll, work around, we'll work our way around it. If we've got to go to America, if we've got to go, wherever we've got to go in the world to fix it, we'll fix it. Or, or we'll, we'll make it want, better. Eh? Yeah, and so I'm always, he, he's never like, well, you know, it's just, he's just amazing. I'm, I'm, I'm so lucky. So I what do you say, I mean, moving, looking forward then, as we come to the end of part one, I mean, yeah. looking forward in this next year, what is your mindset in terms of like, I guess I'm, I guess I'm wondering like, what do you, learn from this kind of experience i mean things happen to us that many things we can't control yeah and we're faced with these cards or dealt these cards like what, what do you learn from it as an experience or what do you take forward as you look into I, 2024 i think i don't take anything for granted i never have anyway but mm. even more so now i'm um, i don't sweat the small stuff i don't suffer anything that i don't need to I don't have time for anything that I don't need to because I, there's such a bigger picture. There's, I don't have time for mindless, idle nonsense. You know, I only deal with the things that I want to deal with. I only see the people I want to see. I don't go to the parties I don't want to go to. I don't spend time with anyone I don't want to spend time with. I don't let anyone take, the, take any type of advantage of me um, because my time is precious. Yeah. And I think you realise that when you're faced with a life or death situation and when you're faced with any type of illness that changes you, I think you just think, do you know what? I haven't got time for this. I'm just, all I've got time for is living my best life, being around the people that I love and doing the things that I love. I'm not wasting any time because, you know, none of us is, tomorrow is never promised, is it? No, indeed it isn't. And just finally then for, I mean, it's a big topic of itself, I guess, for, for any well, we have lots of women listening to the podcast. What, what would you say, you know, again, what's from your experience the last year? You know, what things have been highlighted to, to you that you wish you'd known or want other women to know about reproductive health, re reproductive cancer? And yeah, I think it's, it's a real, I, it's I a think real it's... chance to kind of share some of those thoughts because unfortunately, sometimes we live these things mm. and we learn those things through experience. Absolutely, too late. And I think for me, if I could reverse the time, I would have checked myself out much sooner or I would have dealt with my fibroids much sooner and I wouldn't have taken the doctor's initial thoughts of, oh, you're fine, mm. as, oh, I'm fine. 
You know, I think if you can invest in your health, yeah. invest in your health, prioritise your health. Whatever you can do, if you're not sure about something, go and get some yeah. second opinions, go and get yeah. more advice. Um, don't ignore your symptoms. And I'm sure, you know, as a doctor yourself, you, you're constantly telling your patients, don't ignore your symptoms. Mm. And I think for me, that's, that's yeah. key. So that's how, like advocacy for yourself is important, but also yeah. not ignoring. I think there's a lot of, actually men, to be honest, uh, as well, don't come in. I mean, one of the biggest things I remember from A&E, sometimes the real frustration is people coming in, like, oh, I wish you'd have come in. You know, but a classic one I'd have so many times, guys had chest pain for like four days and sat yeah. there and just drunk loads of Gaviscon and ignore this ongoing chest pain. They come in and the damage to the heart's a lot worse than it could have been. So it's kind of like, if in doubt, just really go and advocate fully because much better to go and come home and be like, oh, well, it's fine, it's nothing. Yes. I think any doctor ever goes like, what a waste of time that was. No one does. It's like, whew, we're glad. If there's nothing wrong with you, it's great. Yeah. That's the best outcome for everyone. Of it's the best course. outcome for you and best outcome yeah. for, for the doctor. So just go and get checked out. Any doubt. I always think the biggest thing is know you're normal and if things are different from your normal, that's when you go. Absolutely. Regardless of any part of your body. Mm. It's not, not the same as it was, it's changed. Get it checked out. And, and for years and years, I went through my life, through my, from my teen years into my 20s and 30s, thinking excessive bleeding was the norm. Mm. I just thought, I've just got heavy periods. And the doctor would tell you, you've just got heavy periods. And actually, all the symptoms I had were of, of the gynae cancer I had. Mm. A lot of those were later on, presented themselves exactly the same. So I think you have to keep on. You know, you just have to, like you said, if it's not normal, go and get it checked out yeah. or go and ask someone for some yeah. more advice. And, and you know, doctors and nurses, everyone is generally doing the very best, of but course. it doesn't mean to get it right all the time. No. So just if you don't think it's right yeah. and someone says it is, go and get a double check. There's no, again, there's no, no harm in doing that. And also like in reality, you could be the best doctor in the world. You're going to make mistakes sometimes. Absolutely. We all do. And so we miss things. It's just part of life, human yeah. nature. So, you know, if you are concerned that, you know, is this right? You know, is there a possibility there is something here? Get a second opinion. Just go and get it checked. Because, you know, again, peace of mind, nothing else. Right, we'll come to the end of part one. Um, we've actually started back to front because we're yeah. supposed to do this in part three. <laughs> but I felt that given, you know, given, well, given everything that you've, you've been through, but also coming into your, again, into your life in like distant bits, I guess, I've come in at a point where you've been just through so much that it just wouldn't feel right to really face this head on and talk to you about it. Yeah. Really. You know, it's been a concern. I'm so glad really that you're, you know, that you're, that you're looking well. I know you're going through difficult stuff and recently been pretty unwell, but you've yeah. still got that like glint in your eyes, <laughs> which is great to see. I'm still say. fighting always. You're still you know, a fighter. So like I'm, I'm really said, relieved by that. So oh, I'm thank glad. you. I'm really yeah. glad. And like I said, I was so glad that you're, you, you're doing so well. You deserve it. And you'll continue to, you know, merit and skill, I'd say. Talent. Oh, thank right. you. Right. Let's uh, continue this. We're not at the end of the podcast, of course. We're only in part, <laughs> part one. Let's go on to part two in a moment. So guys, um, we will see you in part two where we're going to start diving into the other side of the coin, the professional side. You've heard so much of your own experience. Let's hear the, the professional bits and pieces you've been doing. Because you have been a busy person. Yes, you, yeah. Just, you know, a couple of books, a bit of TV, <laughs> a couple of businesses, you know, yeah. what she was like. All right, we'll see you all in part two. Goodbye. Hold up. 
What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 